Hello, and welcome to another episode of Story Screen Presents. We are freaking out with Flanagan. This is the series that deals with all things Mike Flanagan. We're delving into that filmography and also all of those lovely TV series, which to this point have all been on Netflix, but the future, who knows? We'll see what happens with the Amazon merger. Um, I'm, I'm your host this week. It's Diana DeMuro. I am joined by the lovely, the wonderful Timothy Irwin, special guest. Hello. Yeah, and one young Michael Burge. Hello. Not, not looking so young, looking tired. Yeah, right now. I, I add a little. I've got a little bit of like a sore throat. He's and got the this <coughs> the black lung pop, yeah. um, but he'll rally for this episode because on um, this episode of Freaking Out with Flanagan, we are covering the haunting of Hill House. So the first in the haunting series by Mike Flanagan, the first that he signed up for with Netflix. And his first ever endeavor into television series after directing films and TV episodes, but no series on the whole. So just before we get going, Story Screen Presents hosts a myriad of other podcasts you can check out on, you know, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, search for Story Screen. We'll pop up. We've got Cathoid Raidcast. Uh, Bernadette Gorman-White and I just talked about the show Beef. It was awesome. I highly recommend. We've got Story Screen Reports with Robert Anderson covering news of the month. Uh, we've always got Overdrinkers, which is Mike with a friend or friends talking about something fun while they drink things, mm -hmm. booze or non-booze. Everybody's included. Uh, you can check out all of our articles, reviews, and some fun links to videos over on our website, storyscreenbeacon.com. And if you, if you like it, sign up for that sweet, sweet Patreon that we just launched for some even weirder niche content. Uh, I just put a new article on there that is talking about the Willow series and the new Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves. And stay tuned because we're going to have more good stuff dropping on there every month. But now we're going to get into dun -dun -dun, Haunting of Hill House, which by this point I have watched so many times that I don't remember how many times I've watched it. So round robin for you boys. How many times have you watched this series since it first aired? I would say maybe five. Maybe yeah. it's, it's, it's up there. I've watched this one yeah. it's, it's like once a year at least. I feel like it's like a once a year. I kind of dip back in where I'm like, wait a minute, still good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this was only my second full watch through. Really? Yeah, I I would uh, pick at some episodes uh, and like rewatch. Like I I love rewatching like the um the one shot quote unquote episode. Two storms. Uh -huh. Two storms. Um, Four or five cuts. And I've rewatched the, the first episode <laughs> a couple times too, just because I like that one. But as a whole. Yeah, I haven't really watched it. Uh, I think the last time I tried to watch any of the show, I rewatched the first one. It ended up having like a severe panic attack from it, so then just like never started Ooh. watching it again. Then Flanagan did nervous. his job right. Yeah, I was nervous that it was gonna happen again as we started this rewatch. I was like, all right, now I was just in a weird spot probably yeah. the night that I was watching that. That's fair, but I definitely feel like this um, this this show in particular checks a lot of boxes for me because it's. 
it's all about the sweet, sweet family trauma and grief uh, rolled into one. So those are all things that I find a little triggering to begin with. But um, if you haven't watched Hill House, this is your spoiler warning right now because we we gonna spoil shit. There's no spoiler free zone on Freaking Out with Flanagan. So if you haven't watched it, it's been many, many moons since this came out and you should go watch it because it's great. But for all of you who haven't watched it recently, uh, basic premise of the show is Crane family buys a house to renovate and flip and in theory make a lot of money off of this beautiful mansion in the countryside. And then we kind of get this two timeline situation where we have the young Crane family at the house don't know exactly what the hell happened. And then we have the present day older Crane family dealing with the the kind of spurring of events that happens after one of them dies and, and the fallout of that and, and going back to getting together, forcing them to recognize what happened before. So I like this show too because the structure is a little bit like watching Lost. Like it kind of has that... Um, sort of dealing with a different character every episode. Mm, yes. And 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 focusing on one crane member of the family and sort of what affected them in the past that is sort of weaving its way back into the present. I agree. So I was wondering, do you have a favorite crane family member? I was going to say crane kid originally, but I don't want to miss out on mom and dad because they're also very good. So who's your crane favorite Give me a little juice on why. So I would say I think Theo is the coolest. I like I love her. Her power is really cool too. They all yeah. have their own like powers, and I think big, that uh, her, she's big, like big the coolest. Big energy yeah. coming off of Theo. Theo's, Theo's the coolest X Men. Let's yeah. let's just say that right now. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, is she the most emotionally mature? No, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. She <laughs> works for her beautiful girlfriend. You know. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, this is very true. And she she's cool. And then I also I have a real soft spot for Luke just because his episode is like devastating. And, oh fuck yes, uh, fuck. And if I'm looking good, this is so delusional of me. But if I'm looking good, I'm like I I I hope that I look like Oliver Jackson Cohen. Like I I like, oh. I'm like, you know? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, I so. Theo, played by Kate Siegel, who is Mrs. Flanagan Empire. She's she's married to Mike Flanagan. They have kids now. Um, at the time of making this, she got pregnant with her second child, who they named Theo, mm. who was a, a daughter. So they had already had one baby. Um, and then I, I think I said at least two or three times to Mike when we were rewatching this, I she was like, "That's Hill House." No, every time Hill House would show up, she'd be like, she'd like grab my wrist and hold it really tight, and be like, oh "My God, that's Hill House." Yeah. I'm like, "I know, <laughs> I know, I know him." They shouldn't go in there. No, uh, what I was, what I was saying was like, I always, I always feel so bad for the twins. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just feel like they see the most crazy shit at the youngest age, and because they are the youngest, no one believes them. Like, not even their fellow siblings really believe them until it's, like, way too f- fucked up. Right. So Theo I, I always feel bit. like, yeah, Theo, there's a touch of it eventually. Yeah. But Theo doesn't really believe it until Theo can do 
her powers. Her own, her powers, her <laughs> litmus test. And there's like, oh, okay, you're not bullshitting. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know. But what about you, Mike? Who's your favorite crane? Nelly. Nelly? Totally. Mm. Twins? I love Nelly so Twinsies. much. Twinsies? She's, it's very sad. Uh, she's like so she's sad. got an amazing episode as well. Yeah. And kind of the mystery about her is what's really kind of propelling the story, especially in that first episode, and then kind of going into the reveal of everything. And it it, it is kind of fun how the actress that plays um, adult Nelly. Oh, Victoria Pedretti. Yeah, like she's not, in theory, you're like, oh, I guess she's not in it as much as everybody else. And that's just because she's. She dies in the first episode. She's dead. Yeah. But like her bot like her body is very present like in that in, in throughout all of the uh, mortician scenes and stuff like that and uh you know the the bent neck lady and everything and all these different things and and then it's just like kind of my favorite like some of my favorite moments in the movie are like Nelly younger kind of just talking about the fears and anxieties that a that a child has and how that's exactly how things turned out for her and how yeah. adults have those same fears and everything. And it's just like, it just makes it so sad that like the twins, especially like just were not given a chance. Yeah. Like they just had no chance of being able to get away from this thing. Cause they were really just like isolated in on them. Like yeah. they were the ones that were seeing the most stuff. They were the ones that the mom eventually, or rather, you know, whatever the mom was like went after, um, and where, you know, Luke's stuff is very, Luke's baggage is, uh, his superpower is doing heroin. Um, uh, asking for money. Asking for money and getting, being able to steal uh, cameras. Um, Nelly's is like more emotional. It's more on the inside. Not that he doesn't have emotions that he's like bearing down, but that's like something that she's like, trying to bury and trying to run away from and she finds love is the way to be able to fix it right. instead of heroin. Yeah. And that whole sadness of all of that is like, that's my favorite part of the show. Yeah. It's like yeah. how Nellie is kind of the heart of this family. She's the most innocent. She's the youngest. Yeah. You know, and she's the first to go kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. And I and I also love both the actors that play Nellie. The They're little great. girl. Yeah. Is so, the, all kids, the kids in this, we're going to talk yes. about the yeah. kids. Yeah. Just the kids incredibly are- cute. Yeah, the kid cast, the kid cast game is really strong. Um, and I love that they used Victoria Pedretti in the next one in Bly Manor because I was like, oh, shit, she didn't get a, you know, mm-hmm. she's she's part of the fam, but she obviously is not in the episodes as much. So I was excited that, you know, Flanagan has this history of reusing his his cast He's got a sort of his ensemble that comes and goes. Not every single one of them, but a lot of them show up in multiple shows or movies. Um, and even doing some digging, I was reading that, you know, there's there's definitely some little like Easter egg nods to some of his other movies that he had already made, like Oculus or Before I Wake in even just like the monster creature ghost design in this one. But I was reading that he used a couple of rando actors from his other stuff to just be some of the ghosts in the house that you'll never recognize, but it was just fun to be like, Hey, you want to come for a day? Be on mm-hmm. set, be this rando ghost in the cabinet that's staring at them mm-hmm. from behind. You're out of focus. <laughs> yeah. No, but more behind the wall, yeah. more behind the Slightly wall. Slightly disconcerting. More behind the wall. <laughs> you may or may not have a backstory on Reddit. You Don't know? move. <laughs> is my TV messed up? What is, yes. like, is yes. that a dead pixel? Yeah. Exactly. I remember the first time I saw one, 
and it was uh, it was the one in the. It's later in the show. It's like when they're clearing out the basement. Like that was the fir- on my first rewatch. That was the first time I ever saw because I wasn't reading any, anything. I was because you know it's it's binging yeah. Netflix. So I was just like running through. I wasn't reading anything, so I didn't know about the hidden ghosts. And then the first one I saw, I was just like, "The fuck is that?" Yeah. The fuck was that? And yeah. then it like doesn't do anything, and I was like, "What the fuck was that?" And then you start looking for them, and you're like. Oh, a bunch of these fucking things. This is yeah. crazy. It's good. That's the beauty of it because it kind of gnaws at the back of your mind a little bit. Yeah, it's like it's like um like natural like um human instinct. It's yeah. just like something's off here. It's like when you can look at like a, like an AI generated art or something like that, or like the you know the 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 deep fake, like something slightly off, and it makes you go like you 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 almost get in this weird fight or flight. But you know, like the Uncanny Valley thing, it's like you know that something's off, but if you don't even know that some you're supposed to be looking for something being off, then in the back of your brain, like maybe you're more susceptible to like dread. So I think one of the cool things about this show is that, so I've, I've done a lot of reading of like the process of how this show got made and just like how fucking stressful it was for Mike Flanagan because it was his first time doing TV um, he really didn't want to fail. He was working with Netflix and like two other production companies. And he said he often had to kind of f- fight for the script as it was written, that it kept getting suggestions, tweaks, shortening it, all sorts of stuff. And so he sort of by default just decided to direct all the episodes himself, this particular series, which hasn't happened since, except for Midnight Mass. Did he direct all of Midnight Mass? No, I don't Mass? think he directed, no, I I think think he directed, he directed all, all of them ever after this because he was like, I should not have done that. Yeah, because he was like losing so his mind. I, so I, I looked up because he's got a pretty awesome Tumblr page, which I recommend if you're if you like Flanagan. He's super sweetheart. You can hit him up with a question, and he will write you a long, awesome message back. Um, so he's written a lot about the Hill House experience, and kind of just he said he lost forty pounds during the whole experience. He said he was smoking two packs a day, um, that he was pretty stressed out. And he said that in reality, they had written maybe the scripts up through um, episode seven and that he was finishing the scripts for those last few episodes while they were filming, which is probably what also led to more manic behavior because they had it all like the framework laid out, but not full, complete scripts for those last few episodes and that he ended up writing the last script completely by himself, whereas prior to that, he always had people in the writing room working with him. So he was kind of saying um, that he loves Six Feet Under, which I don't know if you guys have seen. You've seen, Mike. Oh, yeah, I have You've seen. I highly recommend, but a different animal. Okay. Different different type of ghosts. Okay. But um, the thing that he kind of said that he loves about Six Feet Under is sort of just this like long form format of delving into family and the relationships in a family, and then also just how how people deal with grief. And um, I was curious, before we get into like the nitty gritty of the show, this is sort of a weird one, but how, and it doesn't, you don't have to know exactly how old, but like, how old were you, give or take, when you first went to a funeral of some kind? Uh, I think I had to be about, that I can remember. That you can remember. Probably like Five. That's pretty young. Uh huh. What about you, Timmy? I can't say honestly. I would yeah. say 
the first one that I really remember that was a thing to me was like my grandma when I was a freshman in college. But yeah. prior to that, yeah. I I think I have been to them, but it was like going to a wake, like going to um, going to like church. Like I didn't yeah. really want to be there. I was just kind of like, okay, I'm here, but it's for my mom, you know, or like my, like, my mom brought yeah. me here and okay, now. I don't remember how old I was when I went to my mom's funeral. <laughs> no, no, yeah. just like, you know, my parents brought me here uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to just like sit and twiddle my thumbs while they like shake some hands and I'll leave, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was trying to think about it and it was like, I was really trying to think, you know, it was probably... My dad's mother, my grandma, Rosie, is the one that I f- first really remember. And that was, I was probably like 14 or 15. But I, I wonder if I had just not been brought to them prior to that. I can't imagine that that was the first one I ever went to. But I mean, at least f- in my experience, a lot of my family growing up is Catholic. So they really are into the wake, into the embalming of the body, like in this show, versus getting somebody cremated. Mm. And that is the part that used to scare the, scare me the most, is just like that aspect of makeup on someone that you've never seen wear makeup maybe <laughs> ever in your life. You know, so like that, like see, seeing uh, my grandpa, my mom's dad, who was Puerto Rican and usually pretty tan, but then, you know, once they die, Mm. you're just like, yeah, they're pale and they put some makeup on that guy and you're just like, this is not okay. This does not look right. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of fascinated by that aspect of, um, you know, with, with Shirley's character where she's so traumatized by the death of their mom, but then sees that the uh, person at the funeral parlor fixed it, quote mm-hmm. unquote. You know, you're like, you fixed her. And then that becomes such a significant point mm-hmm. that that really shapes how she handles the rest of her life. And she gets that from her dad. Right. Because her dad is always like, I can fix this. Yes. That is probably, I just, I love Henry Thomas. He is I love Henry so Thomas. good. The fact that he is able, in, at least in my opinion, to... Act so hard that you just you you push the ridiculousness of his blue eyes to the back of your head. And you're just like because like you can't not notice them, but somehow he works it yeah. into like yeah, just like the kind of oddball energy that this guy has. Yeah, like, he's not like a leave it to Beaver like all shucks, but like there's is something very this. like dad about him. He's very yeah. dad. He's yeah. very dad. And yeah, the flip side, uh, like Timothy Hutton, who plays older uh, older yes. Hugh, is like because they. They look similar and like you can you they look enough alike that it's like okay that's that's older him but mm-hmm. also like Timothy plays it in such a different way that it's like yeah this guy has totally been wrecked by the whole experience yes. it's it's great totally it's uh especially in the two storms because you're seeing them cuz it's that's kind of the dad's episode uh, and you're kind of seeing their mannerisms, like how mm-hmm. they stand with yep. their hands on their hips. Yeah. It's like one of those things where you're just like, oh, man, they got together and like talked about that. Yeah. And like, yeah. and like the way Timothy Hutton's just like kind of standing there and he's got the same kind of like cadence that um, that uh, the, that the younger dad has. Uh, and you're just kind of like. It's just like when you get reminded like how cool acting is, you know, like we watch these things all the time. <laughs> acting. And you're like, oh yeah, you got like 
Henry Thomas, Timothy Hutton, Carla Gugino, amazing actors. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, that's right. They're doing like a great fucking job. They're so good at it. They that's are. why they're famous. But also, I uh, mean, oh, go on. Oh, no, you go, Tim. You just, go, Tim. That's like something also about Flanagan in that he's, if he was in the, if he was in the MLB, he would be the worst pitcher of all time because he is Hell just yeah. lobbing the juiciest, <laughs> slowest like line like like pitches over the plate for these guys to just crank out like Barry Bonds yeah. like just insane uh, like just to get a Flanagan script as an actor it would be like just you're just ready to just sink your teeth into it like yeah oh. it's like uh, I just watched uh, the Steve Jobs movie. Um, and that's an Aaron Sorkin script, and it's like, oh, did you watch that? Because you and Damien were both talking about yeah. the script. Yeah, because yeah. it's because it's Aaron Sorkin, and it's like, you know, Damien was like, is Steve Jobs a better a better movie a better script than Social Network? And I was like, absolutely not. Like Social Network is like one of the best scripts like ever written, in my opinion. It's I amazing. love though because Damien is a quiet fury. Yes, you say that, and well, then that, you're like, is it? Is well, it? Well, exactly. Yeah. I need to go back and rewatch. So then I got home last night and I watched it, and that's the fun thing about it. The movie rips too. Steve Jobs is a great fucking movie. I still um, haven't seen it. I gotta so check that out. Uh, do you know the cool thing about Steve Jobs? Michael Fassbender. No. Well, yeah, but also, um, there, it takes place in three acts. Uh, one in like eighty four, eighty eight, and one in like ninety four. I think. Okay. Um, the first act is shot on sixteen millimeter. The second act is shot on thirty five millimeter, and the third Whoa. act is shot on digital. Oh. And the score. Changes? Orchestra changes uh, from act to act. That's, like that's the second one's all string. Yeah, it's yeah, really cool. That's very interesting. But um, to my point, uh, Aaron Sorkin like was training to be an actor up until I think college and stuff like that. Uh, like very like he he was he wanted to be an actor, a uh, theater actor. Like a, he was a theater kid, and so you can kind of see that in the dialogue. Is like he's giving these like the walk and talk. Mm-hmm. kind of like thing where you're just like oh an actor would really be excited by something like that and it's just like i think it's like you know all the people that knock flanagan for his monologues and stuff and i'm like that's how he gets these actors to like they're like i would love to do that yeah that sounds fucking great yeah i think also a lot of his stuff um with some of the actors that he has is a lot more akin to doing theater, to doing a stage play, mm-hmm. you know, in that way that you have a longer monologue that you're talking out. Yeah. You're, you're talking, you, you, know. you, you address the crowd yeah. and, you, and your performance of the, the guy in the back, much like Jeremy Irons in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for that episode. Um, it's a, a good one, but I love that this show in particular is like, uh, I keep thinking about the so we've got we've got the the whole all the kids we'll name them all we'll discuss them all but we've got Steve the oldest and uh, I've heard <laughs> I heard uh, this great on this great video on the the Let Me Explain videos I rewatched mm-hmm. one of the old ones from when the show first came out and he's like I've heard a lot of people call Steve the worst child it's it's Shirley yeah sure. <laughs> yes <laughs> and I was like. A plus. Like Steve, Steve, um, don't get me wrong, Steve sucks. Steve, but like, Steve sucks, but Steve sucks because he's played so well by you. Looked up how to say it. it oh like, yeah, oh, Mich- Michelle. Michelle. No, no, Huisman. it's it's, it's not Michelle. It's Michal. Oh, it's Dutch. I okay. thought it, I thought he was French. Yeah. 
It's like Mikhail he's Guzman, like I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Luis but, uh, Guzman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hello, it's me. Guzman, hello, it's me. Uh, I love that guy. He's he's such a good dick. He's great in Treme. Such a dick. He's mm-hmm. he's so good at being a suave dick. But he has a good arc <laughs> in this though too. He, he starts out as the as yes. like nasty, but like he is great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not so much like a reveal, I guess, as like it's kind of like a slow realization there's not like a, a there's not really like one big re- reveal moment like but aha like, moment yeah but you start to find out that he has been seeing ghosts like his whole life and he thinks that he's just mentally ill yes, yes. and yeah. so he's ignoring it and you're like oh that's why yeah. he's being such a dickhead yeah. you know and yeah. like, oh being a dickhead is his heroine yeah yeah so, but uh, everybody's the- got their own heroine <laughs> in this thing but the quote that that kind of keeps coming back up that he says all the time is he's like most times a ghost is a wish it's so good and and like the whole idea that if it, that the ghost is what we want to see the most you know, like, so whether that's good or bad. And I love that idea of he kind of thinking of it as, you know, Nellie didn't see that. She just wants this to happen or, you know, vice versa, Luke or any of them. And kind of explaining away the mental illness in their family and how that impacts his own life. And and we'll get into that. But uh, I was reading again a little bit about all the ideas that the crane kids are each a different stage of grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so running through those and, and I kind of did a, before I read about it again to see who most people had attributed to each stage of grief. I was sort of like, who do I think is each stage of grief? So we've got denial, we've got anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance. So with your denial, we've got your your bad boy Steve, mm-hmm. right? Because we've got the whole idea that he's he f- has never actually seen any ghosts, but yet he's kind of profited off of this story of his family. Mm-hmm. What what else? Anybody else? Well, the I I also looked this up, and the one that I don't, I a lot of people say that Theo is bargaining, and that's the and I one, don't really yeah, see that. I don't see that. Yeah. One. yeah. Yeah, for me, I was thinking that there's definitely each kid kind of has Why a little bit. Why would Theo be the anger? Uh, Cheryl yeah. is kind of awesome. Cheryl is always a little bit angry. I, I, yeah, she's yeah. angry. I mean, I feel like I'm also. Yeah. I mean, you know, actually with the Theo thing, bargaining, it's not like the main thing of her character, but she is the one who is just like attempting to move on. Mm-hmm. Like That's getting fair. like she's like, all right, I'll use the I'll take the money. I don't give a shit. I'm going to get my fucking degree. But she's never able to actually let it go. So yeah. there is that whole thing. Like, they all have this kind of level of denial. Yeah. yeah. They're all, it's all in there. And it's like attributing it to each of them, like, is like, like, Nelly is acceptance. Nelly? Then? Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I mean, I guess. I, so, like, yeah, it's, it's loose. So is Luke? It's loose. <laughs> well, like, see, I always think of it, it's kind of loose because I, I think that both Shirley and Steve are in denial for a lot of it because in the sense that like you throw yourself into your work like Shirley's like immediately like I just got to take care of the body I got to order the flowers I got to you know it's like full speed ahead just keep your head down get through it and to a certain extent that's also bargaining because she's the one that's kind of like I can't believe I should have just answered her phone call mm-hmm. you know like that maybe if I had done this or maybe if I had talked just talked to her and both her and 
Theo are so angry, but Theo's the most angry at Nell for dying because she thinks she killed herself. And she's like, she should have known we all already put up with this shit before what this would do to our family. Mm -hmm. But, um, and for depression, I always, I always think it's just both of the twins are depressed. You know what I mean? Because they got their twin thing. They just both deal with depression in different ways, drugs, Mm -hmm. uh, going for therapy, the like kind of taunting that Steve says that like, Nell throws herself into like the crystal phase, the Christian phase, like into different ways of coping. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really only acceptance at the very end of the show. In a way, it's sort of like maybe the dad is more accepting than any of the kids, you know, to a yeah. certain extent. But it's interesting to th- to look at that argument as a way to frame it. Well, and and he even confirmed that one. I thought on Tumblr he was like reblogging yeah. or, or confirming that in a way, and I I thought that was interesting because it was it was an interesting theory, but it to me it wasn't a slam dunk for a lot of yeah. them. So I thought it was weird that he was going along with it like that. But um, yeah, I think he confirmed it, but he didn't necessarily confirm like beat for beat mm-hmm. each person described the way they were. So, mm-hmm. but I but I think that that's an interesting thing because um, I one of the videos I watched over over since we have first seen the show and then upon rewatch is like looking at different ways that writer's structure mysteries or ghost stories or things like that and kind of the idea of giving characters quote-unquote ghosts you know whether they're actual physical ghosts or just like ghosts of their past and how that that gives that character backstory it gives them more motivation for what they're working through in the story but in the crane family the shit that they they repress and keep trying to move past just physically comes up as physical manifestations of ghosts, which is the coolest fucking thing. I just think it's a really interesting way to deal with it. And like, I love that episode when they're finally at the funeral home and it has that like pan of the kid versions of them becoming mm. the adult versions of them when the dad shows up. Because I I just love that metaphor for it, like how he views them, but also how like sometimes you kind of view yourself when you're around your parents or or your own family. When you get back together with your family, it's very easy to fall back into patterns of how you behaved when you were younger. Yeah. Good or bad. It can like bring out the worst in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's great. I mean, and that... Uh, Best best six run episode in Netflix history. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they all meet up in that that six, like it really to go through each kid and then to have them all meet up in that sixth episode and that be like the ensemble episode. Yeah, just, that's mm-hmm. like the Avengers Assemble episode yeah. <laughs> right there, but with their fucked upness, you know. So. <laughs> Everybody's got their own type of heroin, right? All right, good. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do go. It. Yeah. One take. <laughs> let's, let's, One take. Let's so, spin the camera around. Yeah, totally. Um, so the you know the story itself about family, about grief, about how you deal with grief and and losing somebody, and what that means after somebody's gone, quote unquote. No one's ever really gone. No one's ever really gone. No one's ever really gone. Um, I would love to talk about the the bent neck lady episode, but. Mm-hmm. Would I, would you guys want to touch on anything prior to that episode? Those first few? I'm going to kind of look through this episode arc. For me, that's when like stuff like really starts to hit the fan is that fifth episode. 
Um, not to say that the earlier episodes are boring. They're not. They're great. They're laying the groundwork. Um, but that fifth episode is like the first first one that like really pulls the rug out from under you, I feel like. I think Luke's is really good too because of the... The, it's right before and Luke's is the twin thing, yeah, right? This is his episode four. His yes. episode is great. Yeah. And so sad. Yeah, it's so sad and it really The twins like, are so sad. Yeah, and it really emphasizes the twin connection and like, you know, he, he wakes up and he's like touching his neck and then yes. you know like that thing when he's on the phone with steve and he's like oh my neck hurts and i can't feel anything and i'm so cool like he's just yes. he can't feel anything because nell's dead like right it's it's awesome it's so good and and the like the whole story of of getting um used by his his friend that ditches yep. the like everything about his story is just so incredibly sad and then to go to the next episode where you you're already set up with that and then to go into Nell's side of things uh yeah. and seeing like Nell flushing her drugs and like getting even more of like the twin thing where like exactly they're all feeling where they feel each other's euphoria and like their depression oh it's great yeah or like she's feeling the sense of withdrawal that Luke is going through trying to get clean and like it's pretty wild yeah the connection between them even as little kids mm -hmm. like they're so goddamn cute when they're little <laughs> Yeah, and like cute little cute patooties. There's like, little cutie patooties like that. That two storms episode when you know she's like, I was here the whole time. You guys couldn't see me. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. like the most. You're like, Ugh, yeah. Ah! And like the little girl is like the the the, the young actress that plays young Nelly is so good. And then that kid that looks like uh, Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory comes <laughs> oh, to that life. Plays Luke. like so that plays young Luke. He's is just so like cute. so. Good. He, I, I, I was just like remembering because I was looking at like what's everybody else been doing in the past five years uh, since this came out. I was like, oh, that's right. He's Billy Maximoff in the MCU. He's gonna be fucking well, she, rich. She's in the Megan movies, right? She's, she's in, in the Megan movie. You are correct. Yeah. she is Megan's friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you meet Megan? Yes, Tim? I, I, I watched Megan. Mm, I have. No, mm, mm, I have yet to have Megan. the pleasure of meeting yeah, Megan. Please. I haven't met her yet. Please. I look respect, forward to the day. Respect her. Yeah. Or, or you'll regret it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that kiddo, I want to look up her name real quick. She is a cutie patootie. Young Shirley, young Theo, young, young Nell, Violet McGraw. Mm. Killing it. Whoa, these kids are getting big because their pictures on IMDb yeah. have aged. Um, Stranger Things. I love, I love young Steve. He's such a little dipshit, and I love the touches that he does that kind of mimic the adult character. Yeah, you know? like the, the kind of like fakey older brother thing that he's doing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to protect you, you know, like yeah. that kind of. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay, bud. You know, like you're, shut up. <laughs> um, I love McKenna Grace, child actor. The, the, she's the Dakota Fanning of our time, I believe. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, Dakota Fanning is the Dakota Fanning of our time, but you, same for the next yeah. generation. I love McKenna Grace not being a nice character. I love her being a little punk ass piece of shit dancing to Paul Abdul. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, young Shirley is also really good, but those kitten episodes no, still. That's, 
<laughs> That's so oh, gnarly. Fuck. The bone oh, crawling fuck. out of the kitten was. Yeah. I remember the first time. It, this is one of those shows that you kind of wish you could see for the first time again. Because I remember when the yes. kitten thing first happened, it was like, ah! you know, yes. it's insane. Yes, the yeah. eyeballs insane. on the kitten. You're like, oh, she's okay. She, like, no, it's not that. But like, so there's so there's that kind of special effect. But then I love just the straight up practical effects because. Like the episode where she's making noise or not make she's not making noise and Theo is pissed and is like Oh the banging on the wall. The walls. banging on the yeah. wall and then all of the picture frames starting to bang. Like that is so scary and so realistic to like a bad dream as a kid. You know what I mean? Like those things that it, that's all it takes. It's just noise and movement, no other things, and that was enough to scare the bejesus out of you. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And then there's just like with stuff like that that makes Hill House even like cre- creepier is like there's no way that no one else didn't hear that. Yeah. Like that was so loud it's and so, so loud. long and then everyone comes in they're just like what are you even talking about? All we heard was you screaming. You're like oh well that's not good. Yeah. There is always that element. <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> yeah. There's always that element of whether anyone else believes you and then who believes you. Mm-hmm. Oh it's the, and the classic horror trip. Yeah. Like nobody believes the kids. Nobody believes the kids. But but then as they get older, they don't believe each other, mm-hmm. which is its own weird bag of, of scary kittens. <laughs> you know, so. Well, it's like they were only supposed to be there for like two months, right? Right. Yeah. And the dad even brings that up in, in one of the later episodes where he's like, yeah, you couldn't have had a treehouse. We were there for like uh, like two, like eight weeks or something. And yeah. And how much he he realized he that's one of the things that he knows like hill house is so strong and is a real force because you guys were only there eight weeks and you won't shut up about it ever yeah you know yeah yeah Yeah. it's like not probably not even eight weeks because they didn't get to finish the job yeah true you know like they just like left in the middle of the night because shit went crazy yeah Uh, bad things happened (laughs) bad things occurred and that's i also just loved uh like henry thomas's like his portrayal of just like, ah, come on, kid. It's all right. Get scared sometimes. He's like a good dad. And then like when he like starts realizing things, like he's just like, what the fuck is yes. going on? Like he's yeah. actually legitimately like shook. Yes. Well, because it Henry takes. Thomas is a good actor. It, it takes a lot for him to get to that point because even with his own wife, he starts to think like she's having dreams She's really stressed out, that she's always had her own things that give her anxiety. She's got these migraines. Like, Mm -hmm. there's still that element of disbelief, even with his partner. Yeah. Until she, like, is holding a screwdriver to his throat (laughs) in the middle, you know, acting out her dream. And then he's like, what the fuck is happening? Um, But I do love the, like... Yeah, the I I can fix this. I can fix this. Like that is mm-hmm. just like the theme throughout, but he can't. And, yeah. and him finally realizing he can't is what helps him. It's yeah. what helps him and it's what helps everybody else. Because like his <laughs> ultimately his shielding trying to protect them is not allowing them to accept it. Yeah, they can't deal they with can't it. They can't deal with it and they can't like they can't process it and get through it on their own. And so that's kind of like destroying them all one by one and yeah. he kind of realizes that at like the end or he's yeah. like a little too late uh, not not soon enough to be able to save Nelly but like maybe soon enough to be able to like save everybody else true kind of thing so also dad is the only one that doesn't have his version of the of the red room yes so like 
every kid has their own version of the Red Room, and then even mom has her own version of the Red Room. Mm -hmm. Why do you think dad doesn't have his version? I mean, honestly, I don't think the house is very much after him in the same way that it is some of the other ones. However, I also like how you can't really define after them. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it doing? What does it gain from like killing them or having them kill themselves or others? I feel like it's a kind of a poltergeist situation where it's like it's feeding on their fear. I, mm-hmm. You know, like he says later on, like our family is an unfinished meal to that house, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I understand more that it would kind of sink in on the children. Also, the children are a lot more open to and receptive to ghosts and things like that. In a... Re- what were you thinking, Tim? In like a, a shining type way, it seems like the house... I interpret it as the house likes people who are sensitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah. of, and if like going by blood, it seems like yeah. it's the mom's side that the carries yeah. that. And he yeah. doesn't well, Because she's that. like yeah. Professor yeah. X. She's like, yeah. I had the shine too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, that and classic line Professor X says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the family is like, you know, my mom was set when she tells Theo, like my mom, you said, feel the way right. you feel things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I yeah. kind of figured the house cared more about them because it liked getting the magic children versus yeah. versus mm-hmm. dad, yeah. who's just a, a muggle or whatever you want to say. Yeah. I mean, and he's also, <laughs> there's kind of like the, Easy. the argument that he's like... <laughs> he's a mudblood. <laughs> he's uh, fixing the house. Yeah. Yes. Like he's the one that's properly fixing the house. Like I guess the mom is too, but she's more designing blueprints mm-hmm. and everything. He, he's like hammer to nail like yeah. restoring the house so maybe in a small way the house is like all right well i like that but like yeah. okay maybe i'll just well to a certain, I'll fuck with your family instead yeah. of you while you well to a certain you know, kind extent, of give you a back rub i think that's right because it's sort of like him being bob vila fixing the house is the equivalent of his red what room keeps like, him there yeah yeah it's what keeps him there so like that fucked up sequence of taking care of the basement and mm-hmm. like the mold that keeps coming back and the scratching like mm-hmm. in reality that's like his twisted version of the red room because that just keeps him busy mm-hmm. um whereas like for the rest of the kids what do we got we've got like a game room for steve we've got tree house for luke mm-hmm. we've got like a playroom for nelly uh, dance studio for Theo when she's rocking out to Sweet Sweet Paul Abdul. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, what is uh? I forget what Cheryl's was. Cheryl's is just like a living room, like a chill out family type room. Yeah, like with like a fireplace and a like place that the family would just hang. a place to hang, like mm-hmm. a comforting room. Boring ass Shirley. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> perfect <laughs> Shirley in her perfect room. Yeah. Cheryl, Shirley never wants to look, but Shirley's always got to look. And you're like, what? Um, and then mom's got the sweet, sweet, you know, kind of reading room. S- study room, chill out room where mom can go have tea and read a book and have the kids fucking leave her alone because she's got a headache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what's what's your red room look like, you think? Uh, probably my current house. Honestly, I was going to say, idea. yeah, just yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have my Xbox that keeps me you're, busy. I, have I was my like, projects. are you three? You're three D printing and painting yeah. models in yeah. your red room. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm, yeah. I'm catching mice in my ceiling. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. Do, yeah, I'm, I'm like a mix of of all of them. You know, I have the game room, I have the craft room, and I have like these these projects, like the dad to tinker you know? with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. totally, totally. What about you, Mikey? Is is the red room just our current basement? 
man cave. Yeah, like our our screening room. Yeah, our basement that is uh, '70s wood paneled, but has a huge screen for watching movies and has all of Mike's DVDs, Blu-rays, VHSs, mm-hmm. and other goodies. In all there. of our. Well, I'm <laughs> majority. What's mine is yours. They're majority yours, acquired, mm-hmm. acquired by you. Oh yeah, I go, I go out and I hunt. Yeah, I, I would find say a copy of Desperado on VHS. I brought a meager contribution to the house when mm-hmm. I moved in, but uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to think about that. I feel like art studio would be my red room mm. for sure. Somewhere fun that I could go, chill out, make stuff, make a mess, make some plants. And then yeah, some plants or like a little greenhousey room that the cats can't chew. <laughs> yeah, totally. I would love I would love my red room with my skinny window. <laughs> What's well, great? I'm, I'm looking at my. I have two of those windows, but I do have a skinny window like that. I'm looking at it right now, <laughs> but Fuck, they're on either yes. side of the Fuck, mantle. Yes. Oh my god! What's that behind you? Tim? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, who's that lady with the long white hair behind mm. you? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Mike Mike was looking up a really good article that pinpointed all the screenshots of all of the ghosts that are in Most the background. Most of the ghosts, yeah, because yeah. not all of them were on there because I was noticing some that weren't on there, but I was like, before we would watch an episode, I go, all right, keep an eye out for these ones so yeah. I can like really see where they're at. I, I, I feel like I once I realized that there were more ghosts in the background than I was picking up on when I was watching it in real time, mm-hmm. every time a character came up or down the stairs, I was looking. Because the stairs is a I was big like, one. They're always those lurking around on the stairs. Side. Yeah. And you're just like, who's that? Who that in the who's shadows? That? That? <laughs> and you always got to like, whenever there's like wide shots of everybody, like look underneath chairs. I know. I'm always like, is that you a hand? You hands. <laughs> it's like any corners or something like that. There's like a half person. Window panels. You'll see somebody that it's like the uh, the devil in the exorcist, you know, just like this kind of like eh, face, like just like <laughs> eh. and you're like, the longer you look at it, you're like, is that something or is that just a reflection? And I was like, that's kind of the point. Yeah, it's kind of the point. Um, I love when uh, Mrs. Dudley, Clara is like. So they've got all those insane sculptures in that house that are mm-hmm. probably individually worth lots of money. But who the hell is going to be able to move them because they're so heavy? Um, and she like stands in front of that one sculpture that makes it look like she has angel wings. Mm-hmm. And then classic. classic. And then uh, religion. And then she's kind of talking to mom when mom's really starting to unravel a bit and thinking that her her youngest kids are not safe. You know, like the older kids have grown up. They're kind of too far gone. The youngest kids are not safe. And... She has this like great line where she's like, the world has teeth and it kind of just like it, you know, the world out there has teeth and it's out to get you. Mm-hmm. And don't, you know, if, if something's telling you that your kids are not safe, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And it's like this moment where you're just like, uh oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, this house has teeth and it's been chewing on all of you while you're asleep. And <laughs> It's a little out of order, but when you bring up that, that just because I made a note on the with the dad has a moment like that too. The mom has that moment where where Mrs. Yeah. Dudley tells her, you know, to basically go towards the house. The same right. thing at the end when the dad is like, "I'm gonna burn this house down." Right. The, um, her husband, Mr. Dudley, Mr. Dudley yeah. is like, "No, you can't do that because we." need to be here uh, again we're jumping ahead we need to be here to visit our daughters who are both right. dead in here now and right uh 
it's just and and I liked that. I made a specific note that I liked that he made a bad call by like listening to him. But he did. I, I liked I liked that he did it. It's it's a good yeah, yeah you know, it's a it's good like part the, of the story. It's like why Hugh Crane is such a good character. Like he realizes that his wife Olivia is a hot mess, but she hot and she is great. So he's like, I'm here for this mess, Carla Gugino. I love you. It's worth it. It's yeah. worth it. Gerald's game. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, yeah, it's like those decisions that you make for your family. He should have gotten the whole family out of that house when his wife started losing her shit, not mm-hmm. just mom going away for a few days, you know? So it would have been like, oh, yeah, you know what? All right. We just got to all go for a few days to Aunt whatever's house. And then, yeah, yeah I I always love the the like animosity mm. of of you know the aunt raising them and then all the kids as adults being so lovey-dovey to her and him like on the side talking to imaginary version of his wife being like son of a bitch you know <laughs> like it's pretty great because that's so real to me where you're sort of like Oh yeah, they like that grandma better. Well, fuck her. You know, like it's just like in your own family, it can totally be like that. And the kids all hate their dad because the aunt is sort of like always kind of implying that their dad had something to do with their mom dying. Yes. You know? Yeah, because he it's doesn't wild. tell them what happened. Yeah. Right, because he doesn't tell them what happened. He showed up covered in blood. <laughs> He's just like, I gotta go back. Yeah, he showed up covered in blood. He tries to tell Nellie it's paint, and clearly <laughs> it is not. And Steve is definitely not buying it, but most of the family's not buying it. So that whole, like, Steve never really saw what was going on, even though he was in the background taking in all these images of ghosts and weird shit that wasn't quite right, thinking it's mental illness. And then the rest of the family being like, no, we knew something was going on, but you still haven't come clean about what happened with our mom. And that resentment all these years later, it's, it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think this so was, back, a, yeah, all back a tangent. Bent neck lady. Yeah, bent neck lady, yeah. Back to bent neck lady. Which might be my favorite episode, but actually two storms. Episodes five and six are just fucking bangers of episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Bent Neck Lady, we've got our Nell-centric episode. Did either of you have any inkling on the first time watching this that that was what was happening? No. 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 Me neither. It's That's so it's incredibly it's so obvious watching back. Yeah, now that you know, now. Yeah, yeah. But it's like before that, you're just like, oh, bent neck lady. Scary yeah. bent neck lady. Is she yeah. scary? No, no, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. And like oh, that reveal, God. that reveal yes. is like is mind blowing when it first happens. You're like, it's, she was her own ghost. She I love it too because it's like the, ghost. <laughs> the like the, the film reel, just like the it's almost like Looney Tunes is like, yes. like she's like whoosh, like yes. moving to the next. Oh, scene. it's oh. awful. It's That's awful. Great. Yeah, when when she when exactly with your no 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 when when she's above her on the couch when she wants to sleep on the couch to not be in her bedroom because maybe she won't have bad dreams there mm-hmm. and she's just like and she realizes she's looking at herself. It mm-hmm. is so devastating. Aww. It's so good and, and like just end her whole episode up until that is great too because the like yeah it's so 
such a cute love story that she it has. Is. And then it's so sad the way that he just dies. And then the bed yes. lady shows up and you're like, did she do it? And yes, uh, man. And that's one of those ones also when you when you watch it back, like you start picking up the little details of like she's always drinking out of the cup of stars, too. Like that's she a, is. It's so that's cool. Good, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's like all these nods to little things that happened in her youth that continue on. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I know. And definitely... So, so we get the, the Nell kills herself. We, we realize she's the bent neck lady. Um, but the, like the whole sequence that she thinks her mom is giving her that mm. locket is so, God, mm-hmm. so sad, you know, and, the, and that repeated um, line of like, it's time to wake up now. You know, like that of what you would hear from a mom, but also that mom has heard that from scary ghost poppy mom too like it's time to wake up it's just a bad dream and finding comfort in somebody and then realizing that that's part of your your demise that's your murderer right there mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mommy it's so wild Ugh. it make, makes you definitely the imagery of that spiral staircase is so intense like the set yeah. design of this place is awesome well and I just Oh, go, go, go. No, 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 you go, you go. Uh, that's like another one of those ones where it's like the part of their powers where like the mom maybe has some sort of prophecy sort of power where like she in the first episode, she, or maybe not first, but early episode, she's like, oh, I look up at this. You got to do something with those stairs. I see bodies yes. swinging from the from Yes, the those ropes. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, that is exactly what's going to happen for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Mikey? Any any bent neck lady residual thoughts, uh, takeaways mean, from that episode? I kind of touched on it when I was like, I'm team Nell. You know, yeah. like that's just like her episode, I think, is like Tim, what you said, like the, the love story, the sweet aspects of it are just so sweet and so nice. Uh, I mean, that's something that is one of my favorite things about Flanagan that mm-hmm. we talked about, too, is that he's just, you know, he's very good at these disturbing, heartbreaking, sad visuals and stories. And monologues. Um, and like these little vignettes of but, happiness. But he doesn't go into so, it that much, but it's enough. He's so good yeah. at like, because he can't give you too much of that, but he needs to like, it needs to be pure. Like it needs sure. to, because he can only give you a little taste. So it's got to be something that's just like, look, look at how happy they could have been. But yeah. they're not going to be. Like, yeah. Just like, oh, yeah. Okay. He, yeah. He got her. He was able to help her not only just like find happiness, but he was able to walk her through her her, you know, sleep paralysis, which is terrifying. Mm. I've definitely had that. Yeah. Uh, more at a younger age, I would have really bad nightmares mm-hmm. and I would have sleep paralysis where I would feel like I was trying to yell and no sound would be coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And that is the worst. No. Um, I saw see, a YouTube yeah. comment about that saying that the sleep paralysis is Nell. Since she since she's like a time is a flat circle person now, yeah. Nell's sleep paralysis is Nell remembering her being dead as a ghost, Whoa. which would be which was a really good fan theory. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good theory. I mean, that makes a lot more sense when we get into talking about you know that the final episode mm-hmm. and kind of her monologue and even just how her dialogue comes into play it's sort of out of order you know so it's really interesting looking at the aspect of time and then like when we were watching it again this time mike was kind of commenting like the the ghosts in the house have always been there and Mm -hmm. kind of like that idea of like 
dealing with it's, time. It's like the rules, like that's why Blind Manor is so much fun is like the, the rules in Blind Manor, not to spoil anything, it's like, you know, a ghost story usually has rules if you let it go on for so long on how the ghosts operate. And Blind Manor is one is like, if you die on the grounds, you stay there. Right. Like your soul, like you're, you're caught there. Kind of like your classic haunted house stuff. Um, you can't leave. You can't leave. Yeah. And just like, uh, but in, in Hill House, it's more like if if you die there, you're kind of like consumed by the house and the house's whole existence. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you died back then, yeah. you're, you're going to be there later on, but you were also there earlier. Right. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you kind of become part of the ecosystem. <laughs> it, like That's kind of like what I got out of it, like especially with the, the bent neck lady and everything. Like, well, that's how that worked. It was going back and back to over there. So it's quite possible that the hills at one point were like bumping into the break, the bent neck lady, mm. you know, like when they first built the house and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It's it's a it's a it's a trippy little thing to think about, and yeah. like why it's so much fun is like you can't really prove it. No, but it's a theory. You know, it's like a fun little theory that kind of explains a couple of aspects of like how the ghosts operate, how they interpret time, because it really is like everything's kind of mixed around. You know, even the first episode just has that great thing where it's like you know Nellie's been dead for a whole day and they don't know. And then, like, they find her, and like, when he, when Stephen walks mm. into the apartment, and she's just there, and he's like, "Oh, well, you got the address. Oh, well, great, fantastic." And he's just like talking to her, but he's not looking at her and realizing yeah. she can't talk. She like, can't he talk. Can't hear her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. that's like just a thing that I love about any, like, all of the Flanagan stuff that I've seen is that all of these supernatural things that he does have rules, but not so much that it's overbearing. Yeah. Like like you can tell that there is a structure to like how he knows how Hill house works, but he just tells you like enough to make it interesting. And for you to have these fun little theories and it's not like, yeah, Yeah. it's it's really, it gives a really good framework and world building to all of the stuff that goes on without like being bogged down and like, well, if they step outside of Hill House and they're, you know, it's whatever, you know, right. it's just mm-hmm. not right. into the specifics of it all. Yeah. Um, and I, and I love that, um, sort of like the lore of that also contributes to the framework of like not believing the kids, like because the Dudleys know the house is fucked up, they never let their kid go in the house. So mm. just a byproduct of that is pasty homeschool child, no one believes she's real because she just plays outside or she's stuck at her own house. So no one realizes that Abigail's a real kid until the end. Because for a while on the first watch, I definitely thought Abigail mm. was a ghost. I was I like, mean, oh, he's there, playing with a the ghost. There is one big tell. Because she never meets anybody? No, it's all during the day. Ah, it's Most all during the day. Most ghosts don't show up. They only show up at night. Yeah, that's true. That's and a good so point. she was the like that's the but tell she's so is like pasty. if you're paying attention when <laughs> Mr. Dudley is like saying yeah we that, never stay like, on the grounds at night at night yeah like, it only happens at night like so if you're thinking about that you're like what about Abigail yeah what about the little girl yeah. So it's very interesting. Because mm-hmm. you do get ghosts, like, you get your, like, hidden ghosts in the background and stuff during the day, but any actual interaction, like, seeing them and stuff like that, that's yeah. always at night. Yeah, that makes right? sense. Yeah. No, you're right. That's true. That's when they're the most active. hmm <laughs> Yeah. Creepy peepees. My, I love all of his drawings, too, in yeah. his treehouse. Like, 
even the drawings he does of Abigail contribute to the theory that she's not real or that she's a ghost because he just gives her like the worst bags under her eyes ever. <laughs> like they're just like some sad crayon drawings and you're like, oh no, don't show that to Abigail. Mm-hmm. It'll make her sad. He's also got one of my favorite like ghosts too. He's got the little the cane. cane hat oh guy my God. Who's like just so floating scary. and it's like flat feet. Yes. He's good. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah moving the cane to like drag his floating yeah. ghost He's- self is so good. He's oh, a real one. He's, yeah. He shows up and you're like, what's that? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> He's like floating around the hallway, like yes. in rooms. Well, and the, the crawling basement ghost is also like really scary and good too. Oh, yeah. So scary. That, so, to me, like, you know, we can talk jump scare. We can talk like which scares are the worst. But like when he first gets dropped mm. down in the dumbwaiter and there's not even anything happening yet. It's just dark. Yeah, you could, you, you could, not to put you on blast, you could barely take it. Yeah. Like when that happened. It's the worst. And you've seen it's it like the worst. multiple times. You were just like, Bleh. Well, because that, that, like, oh that sequence gave me the worst nightmares mm-hmm. when I first saw it. Because that's definitely stuff that like, that's that's pure Diana nightmare fuel as a child. Mm-hmm. Like small space, dark, scritchy, scratchy noises. No, 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 no. And the some... kids are so cute. They, the kids, They're you're so just cute. watching the kids get traumatized. Yeah. You know? you know, it is like, it is kind of hard to see, like, because. Yeah, because they're just like, oh, no, I don't like it. Like, they don't yeah, really yeah. have another way to be able to, like, yeah. emote the level of fear that they have. They're like, no. They're like, uh, pull me up, please. You know? <laughs> it's a lot like, okay, so so a, pre- a pretty similar scare is, like, Haley Joel Osment in Sixth Sense when mm-hmm. he gets locked in that closet. And no one believes him that there's ghosts. But then he comes out like physically, like his clothes are ripped and scratched. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're just like that fucking shit. I mean, yeah, and I guess like so, like that's like my my whole thing. What like takes place at night? Like you know, like that takes place during the day. But the basement is darkish. But the basement is dark. Well, no, that's at night. That's right. But the button thing takes place during the day. Like remember when they're tossing the button down yeah. the um yep. the, the little yeah. shoot. The reflection, so that kind of happens. But that's so. a reflection. That's not a full-on apparition, sure. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because like all those background ghosts, like you said, there are a bunch of them during mm-hmm. the day. They're just kind of in the edge of the frame, around the doorway, behind something. Right. You know, they're there, but they are like the most like okay, now we play at mm-hmm. night. Now yeah. we now we fuck with shit. Yeah, that's when they like they're thumping their little canes and yeah. floating around. They're like. Ways, like uh, three, three, four a.m. in the morning when someone is the mm-hmm. most chilled out and, and doesn't <laughs> suspect that someone's going to break into their house. This is when we come out and, and screw with them. <laughs> yeah. So I was watching a video of like bes- behind the scenes of them filming episode six, Two Storms, mm-hmm. that the quote unquote long takes episode. Because it's not a single take, but there are several long takes. Mm-hmm. I love too that he's like he doesn't hide the takes. Yeah, like they're hard cuts. Yeah, and they kind of hit you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that that's good. Yeah. Um, but I read that when they were building the set, like they had to build the set for the where the wake happens right next to the set for the house because they wanted the adult Hugh to be able to walk right out of the funeral parlor mm-hmm. into Hill House. And that is so cool. That's awesome. Cool. I just love, like, that's one of the coolest shots is, like, him walking in there and then 
mom always turning a corner and then being far away, like that messed with my head so much the first time I watched this. Just that aspect of like trying to catch up with somebody and you're almost there and then they're gone again and again. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's pretty wild. Um, what else is, you know, really jumping out for that episode for you guys for that long take episode? Uh you know, there's like two moments in the movie that I think are like jump scare, ultimate, like in the show, like that are just so goddamn scary. And in this one, it's the chandelier. The chandelier. When the chandelier out. falls, just kind of comes out of nowhere and that just thing is like a beast. It it like scared the <laughs> shit out of me. And the other one too is obviously the car jump mm-hmm. scare. That is just like, just like the absolute perfect, perfectly calibrated, yeah, chemical reaction jump scare of just like. It just goes on long enough that you're like, okay, nothing's going to happen. And the conversation starts getting really heated and very interesting because you finally want to hear what Theo has to say. And Shirley's opening up a little bit and the way that it's kind of just, <laughs> bam, and you're just like, oh, fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's not like nice version of Nell. It's fucking scary dead version yeah, she's of like, Nell. Shut the fuck up. Screaming at them, yeah. you know, with ghost eyes. So... <laughs> Um, the cinematographer for the show, Michael Fimonari, mm-hmm. I might be saying this wrong. Uh, I watched a video where they interviewed him and he said that w- before they filmed this episode, they kind of paused on the rest of everything with the cast and they took a full month of the extras and stand-ins rehearsing it with the crew. Because they wanted the crew to like have beat for beat the choreography of uh, where they were going to go sure, yeah. and where they were going to have the camera and the lighting and everything. So they had it down and then they reintegrated like the actual cast to do it to make sure that they could do these long takes and stuff like that without having to do it too many times. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. that's a that's like a heavily choreographed like thing to be able yeah. to pull stuff off like that, especially with lighting because like... That's the thing is like, as you're going around, different lighting sources are being removed and changed. The sure. crew is moving behind the camera with everything else to like be able to, ch- all right, get the actors out, put these actors in. Yeah. There's like a video that like, I feel like every five or six months, like starts making the rounds on Twitter all the time that it shows like an overhead, like this one shot of like these people moving like in a movie. And I, it's, it's something like, you know, beautiful day in the neighborhood or something like that. But it's like, Oh no, it's from the show that Jim Carrey was in where he plays a Mr. Rogers type. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. What was that called? I don't remember. Childish or something like that. But, uh, it, it, and it, it just kind of shows the passing of time in this single room of like, you know, cheap furniture, then slightly better furniture, moving it out, moving it back in. And it kind of, is this one shot that kind of just moves around this one living room as things change. And it shows like the actor, like as soon as they're out of camera, like taking off their shirt, putting on another one while the crew is moving the couch over and they rustle their hair up. And it's like all the lighting is changing from the overhead lights and the, and like um, the key light, which is like coming from like an outside source. Like it's cool stuff like that. And it's just like, you kind of see like, it's just this dude with a camera and he's just moving what he needs to do and just hoping that everybody else is hitting yeah. their marks before he turns into it. And yeah, it's the it's video very, very I cool. watched was similar to that. And they were showing them pulling some of the 
you know, sculptures oh. that are in theory heavy, but they had duplicates of, they're pulling some of them out of the way so that a camera person or a lighting person could then stand in that spot as the camera's turning and then them putting stuff back. So it was pretty cool. They had also built like a little bit of a an elevator for the camera to film while characters are running either up or down the stairs so that they could have that overhead shot as they're kind of like fleeing. Because like when young Hugh is taking young Steve and they're just like running like bad out of hell down those stairs, the way that that is shot is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of showing it almost like an open tiny cage elevator that they had rigged to have somebody with the camera in there filming as they lower them as the characters are booking it Mm -hmm. (laughs) down that like main staircase. Yeah. And it's like so much fun, like with like the, uh, like swapping out the statues and stuff too. Cause like that was one that I hadn't noticed on the first watch is that the statues are changing. Yeah. They'll look a different way or like they'll turn into like at one point in that episodes, like it turns into like that Daisy Buchanan character. It's Poppy. Yeah. Poppy. Yeah. yeah. She is a very Daisy, Daisy Buchanan character. Cause she's, she's the screaming memes. She's like always dropping these twenties mm-hmm. slang that you're mm-hmm. like, people said that shit. Yeah. <laughs> She's the bee's knees. You, got the you know, you got the screaming memes. Yeah, doll. <laughs> exactly. Um, I love that actress. She pops up in a lot of Flanagan later on. Like she comes back again and again. She's great. Well, I mean, also too, we've got um, uh, creepy, creepy uh, preacher lady from Midnight oh. Mass is yeah. is the wife in this. Where you're just like, well, I did not notice that. Oh, I didn't. I, I didn't know it. that. In for like a couple of watches, yeah. I yeah. was like, oh, you're just that like, is that? Because oh. they're so different. I love different. her. Yeah. I love her. But it, they are so different until the end. Mm-hmm. I feel like when when she she's in, oh, kind she's of in um hush. She's the friend in Hush. She's the neighbor. She's the friend in Hush. Yeah, she's a she's a much nicer character in Midnight Club, but not really. Min- oh yes, she's mm-hmm. she's the culty hippy dippy. Midnight Mass and Midnight Club being named what they are is quite yeah. unfortunate. It yeah, is unfortunate. I agree. Um, she, but she's great. I really like her. I always thought she could have been in. Uh, Dr. Sleep, I feel like she would have been awesome in that Rebecca Ferguson sure. role, but yep. Rebecca Ferguson, fucking awesome too. So. And is also a movie star. And like a movie they star. have to have movie stars. No, I know, but I mean... It, it, that didn't help them, but they yeah. tried. But keeping in the Flanagan lore that he does try and throw his friends these roles is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. And I think um, when she finally is talking to Steve and telling him like, oh, did... Did anything really happen if you didn't write yeah. about it yet, Steve? You know, then you're sort of like, oh, I can see those snippets of her character in Midnight Mass being like a real piece of shit. <laughs> you're when, just like the- when the house is hallucinating things for him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. You're a taker. You're a, you're just you have to shit things out onto the page. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sad, sad Tumblr post. Uh, Flanagan has said that, like, a lot of that was internal criticism of himself as a writer, you know, um, that he was like particularly depressed and hard on himself when he was writing that episode. So he's like, that kind of criticism is a lot of me, me talking about my own <laughs> process and, and making fun of myself, um, which is pretty, which is a bummer, man. That's a bummer. Needs a hug. So he, I think he's doing better now. I think he's doing great. I think he's just, uh, you know, having having a lot of fun yeah. with all this sad shit. He's, yeah. Ha- Mike Flanagan is is my therapist. Uh, so, but more importantly, he seems to be Mike Flanagan's therapist, yeah. which is very nice. Yeah, I, I mean, 
doesn't everyone do that? Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot, like, a lot of know, creators like, do that. It is kind of fun going back to Hill House after, you know, I don't include Midnight Club in this conversation just because it really is a different beast of yeah. like, there are very, especially between Haunting of Blind Manor and Hill House, there's obvious similarities. And then same with Midnight Mass, slightly different departure, but kind of the same thing. And if you treat these as kind of like this trilogy, which like now they are, you know, like if we're going to get House of Usher, so then we get like Quadrilogy or whatever. Um, it is really interesting how like, how just like kind of humble this first series is like in comparison to like what Midnight Mass ends up with. Like you think about the like the the red and blue flashing on like a specific character, like that's the kind of effects that he's using in Midnight Mass as well as some other things, which I won't get into because I don't want to spoil Midnight Mass. But it's just like the humble beginnings of Hill Houser is just like just toss a little white paint on their face. <laughs> have them say screaming memes is a ghost. Well, I you know, mean, like they're, they're, they don't really get too crazy with like the ghost designs and but like they are unique and they yeah. are like they have just like this kind of like it's like the difference between Ridley Scott's alien and aliens, you sure. know, where you're just like, oh, it's kind of the same thing. He And the skill is all there. But like in the, the first one, it's just yeah. a little bit more like. It's just like a little bit more like um, reserved. Well, he also yeah. didn't have as much money. Very true. But I mean, as soon as Netflix saw this, they were probably like, oh, baby. Yeah. We're going to do whatever you want for five years. <laughs> but he does kind of reuse a lot of cool like creature design, you know, like the Nell screaming and like the wide mouth is a lot like... Um, you know, the scary version of the daughter in like Ouija too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, or just like there's like all of the oh, he's got his creep, bits. creepy, he's got his bits. creepy mommy in the mirror for uh, Oculus, like all that shit. Like there is a lot of nods to him. He's got themes. There's definitely ghosts that are similar or slightly similar in Bly Manor to this. Once you've seen this, you oh, yeah. move on to Bly, you know, okay. so I, I do I'm like that. I'm excited to watch Bly. Yeah, I do like that. Um, I don't remember that one as well. I've seen that one a lot less. Hill House was a moment. You know, Hill House was like, everybody was watching it when it was on. Everybody was talking about it. Blind Manor, I feel like it was kind of the same, but I I feel like we maybe crushed Blind Manor a little bit faster because we were more excited about it. I went back and watched Blind Manor more after that first Um, watch. And it's just so incredibly sad. Mm, and I, I think that's why I like it so much, but it's very sad. Would you say it's sad, differently. sadder than yeah. Hill House? Mm, Hill House is pretty fucking sad. They're different, they're different types of sad. Melancholic that, versus... Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, I was on Letterboxd. I was like looking at um, all Bl- the different... Blood like, Manor is more like relationship sad. Right. This yeah, is, exactly. This is familiar. Hill House grief. is more yeah. family sad. I was and, looking at like reviews yeah. on Hill House on Letterboxd and like a lot of people keep bringing up the car. Oh, the jump scare. You know, the jump, they're like, motherfucker, fucking piece <laughs> <laughs> of shit. Like, they're mad at him. Because it really is, like, it's a perfect jump scare where it feels like a friend knows exactly how to get you. Oh, you're leaning completely because into the screen. Because by that point, he's like, yeah. I got you. You fucking yeah. care about these two people that do not yeah. exist. You're like, and they're I not supposed to go exist. to the house. They're not, they were supposed to stay put. And then you're like, oh, really, Shirley? <laughs> but then, like, a lot of people, a lot of people on Letterboxd are like, the fuck man i came here to get scared not sad five stars like they're just like they love it but they're just like what the fuck this is so fucking sad i didn't know it was gonna be sad 
So before we get into like the last few episodes, I would like to take a quick break. Good call. We're uh, going to give a shout out to our contributing sponsors, all Mm. our lovey doveys. But uh, when we get back, we'll kind of delve into like the 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 last set, the last two, three episodes of sadness and sort of how they're dealing with those overarching themes. So uh, when we'll take a pause, go get a drink. We'll be right back with more freaking out with Flanagan. Hey guys, Mike Birch here. Wanted to pop in real quick and let you know about our latest sponsor, Nature's Pantry. Nature's Pantry is an alternative grocery store that has been serving our friends and neighbors in the Hudson Valley for over 30 years. With two over 10,000 square foot locations in Fishkill and New Windsor, they aim to meet the needs of every healthy diet and lifestyle you could possibly imagine. They offer an extensive selection of items from gluten-free, vegetarian, vegan, keto, and uh, paleo diets. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce that. Along with a wide variety of healthy and clean alternatives to whatever you might find at any conventional chain supermarket. These are not your normal supermarkets. These guys are cool and they got all the stuff that you really want. Each location also has a deli serving prepared foods daily, an eco-friendly bulk department, extensive body care, and supplement departments, as well as the largest organic produce departments in both Orange and Dutchess counties in the great state of New York. For more information, visit naturespantryhv.com. That's naturespantryhv, as in Hudson Valley, dot com. We're back. So if you're just joining us now, what? Why? Why would you be doing that? Go back and rewind. Yeah. But we're How back. How did you even get here? You, <laughs> you teleported in. Uh, time is a flat circle. There is mm-hmm. no time. We're, we're, we're talking about Haunting of Hill House on Freaking Out with Flanagan. And I'd like to get into the, the latter portion, uh, maybe episodes 8, 9, and 10 leading up to the end where we kind of, shit has really hit the fan. Luke has decided to go back to the house. And the rest of the family doesn't know what the fuck's going on. (laughs) Well, yeah, because like from their point of view, Nell killed herself and now they're like, you know, oh, the twin thing. And it's like, oh, now he's going to go do that given like what they know about Luke and assume. Right. But he's actually going back to try and like burn the fucking house down. Yes. Because he's... The only one that understands what it's doing and also wants to fight back against it because he doesn't right. understand the story of like He's the Dudleys and why the yeah. dad is like keeping it there and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And he also, um, I love the sort of like back and forth of him telling his family that he's actually clean and Steve not believing him. But at that point, when we get to that flashback, we'd realize he was clean. He was mm-hmm. just like trying to find stuff to sell so he could get his friend somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, later on he looks like shit cause he got the shit beat out of him and was on the streets with no shoes, but he actually hasn't used. And the rest of the family is like, I think he might actually be clean, mm-hmm. but they're like all waiting 
for the other shoe to drop. So as soon as Shirley's like, my car, or Theo's like, my car's gone, they all immediately assume the worst. They're like, he's gone, he's gonna go, stole my wallet, he's gonna get drugs, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And dad is like the only one that's like, oh no, I know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I love the the dad and Steve getting back together. Mm-hmm. The, well, the, yeah, the dad the, hatred. Right. Well, well, you know, he hates his dad the most because he was the one that loved their dad the most when he was a kid. And then, he really did love dad. He was daddy's little yeah, helper. He was. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and then he's, his dad in his eyes killed his mom. And then, yeah. you know, he he just he had that whole mental health, mental illness like spiral that he went on. Yes. Um, and, and their their conversation in the car is really really good and you it's know so good yeah yeah when he's like talking about how even him and his mom fought but he's like you fight with love like you come from a place of love you're on the same side even when you're fighting um, I love that idea you know because like you're not out to get that person you're still in it as a team but. And him kind of saying, like, we were married for all of these years, Steve. Like, you know, before she died, like, we, we were a team. <laughs> and trying to kind of prove to him when when he's talking to Steve about his own marital issues, which mm-hmm. is the wildest thing when you're like, oh, you, you let your wife go to the doctor and be treated for infertility. Yeah. Which, which is not cheap if you are... Yeah are even thinking of that world out there like the the idea of getting tested or getting hormones getting injections like i've I've had friends that have had to go through that and that is a grueling process so to have had a secret vasectomy is a quite of a dick move in my opinion yeah (laughs) a little little bit of a A little bit of a dick move steve not cool steve not cool steve yeah what else about the i'm trying to think other things in that that episode they're really good yeah i'm like that uh you know leading up to the we kind of have like before the panel you know before before the the finale we've got that screaming mimi episode which is all about yeah the mom's episode she gets her episode like at the like the second to last episode is the mom like like we have the earlier mom and dad where mom's like first starting to lose her shit Mm -hmm. and she's starting to be like I've got headaches. Things are weird. They're, am I awake? Am I dreaming? And that's sort of hinted at. But then this episode is the one where we really see how much time she's losing. Yeah. And how she keeps like coming to like that conversation that she has with the twins. And then she just like snap wakes up and realizes she's just standing there. And Steve's like, what are you doing? The twins are downstairs playing. Mm-hmm. Right. Know? And that's totally different times. Like she's having that yes. conversation at, at like midnight and Steve asks her what she's doing. And it's like, you know, noon. Daytime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that conversation she has with the kids too, like where they're like kind of just like outright saying like, what's going to happen to like mm-hmm. every every like parent's nightmare yeah he's like what if i poison my blood and until my so blood is poisoned I put, I put so much poison in my blood <laughs> you're like oh jesus uh, omelette du fromage 
Dexter. Little yeah. Dexter boy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, little boy. He's so D-D. cute. Yeah. What does adult Luke just have contacts? Like, what happened to those? Did he get LASIK? What's up? Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. He probably can't afford LASIK. He'd use that on drugs. I mean, he's probably just so like you know popped out of his mind so much it doesn't matter if he can't see. True. I, don't know. I mean, those because those those glasses they'd be thick. They are mm. thick, yeah, thick boy. Glasses. Yeah, they are. They're so cute. They're so thick. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, little little poppets. Telling their bad dreams to their mommy, would they wake them up from a bad dream like that? Like this whole concept of waking up Mm -hmm. always makes me so uncomfortable because that's when you're starting to worry about the mom when she is sort of like, did you wake up? Like at the, you know, like, like the whole sequence of her trying to save her kids from the outside world. Like when she gets to the point where she finally is on board, that Hill House is where they need to be, mm-hmm. where they need to stay. And she's got creepy mom Poppy as like her girlfriend to be like, let's hang and talk. And we'll talk about how I murdered my children. I mean, I protected them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that is one of the things at like the end of the show that you kind of don't know is... Are they all like does Hill House corrupt the ghosts that live there? Like, which is a, a sort of a thing that that Bly Manor touches on and like sort of the evolution of a ghost. Right. Like and whereas like the dad and Nell, their ghosts are very, very kind. They seem like to be good ghosts. But the mom, there's still like a little bit of like weirdness, kind of like yeah. nastiness to the mom ghost the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the mom is a little bit more of a desperate ghost because mm. like w- the point that she gets pushed is, you know, we see that night reenacted when she dies and we see that like the Poppy character keeps accusing Hugh of of taking the children. He's taking them away from you. He's stealing them. He's killing them. He's the one who's killing them. You know, so it kind of puts her in this frame of mind where she's like, oh, no, I have to protect them. They're my children. Mm-hmm. I need my children to stay with me. You can't take them away from me. And then her later on is just like more desperate in the sense where she's like, but if you if you let the children out of the red room, I'll be alone. And that's yeah. sort of like yeah. that bargaining when when Hugh is finally like, you you won't be alone. I'll stay with you, you mm-hmm. know, and like that's his promise to her. She seems lost to the house in the way that the other ghosts yeah. of the Crane family aren't. And I don't know if it is because it's been 20 years since right. there's been a Crane ghost. And yeah. you know, she's been the only one in there. Or if it is like the house slowly makes you evil regardless of how good of a ghost you are. Like in another 40 years, is Nell going to be kind of an evil ghost? That's an interesting question. And like, I, mean, I kind also, of hope it, that she won't be. The, the ghosts, <laughs> like, you know, Poppy's like a little twisted and like has more in line with, um, has more like in common with uh, the mom, the Carla, Carla Gogina character in the sense of like that they're a little malicious. Like all the other ghosts are kind of like just doing their thing. They're scary. Mm, true. But like, they're not really doing anything like the you know the little boy is just like wheeling on out and yeah. old lady's ch- hanging out in her bed and the old lady's even nice old lady yeah. even warns the, warns the old lady live at one says point. like don't mm-hmm. believe her she's a liar yeah you know? yeah and it's like even like um creepy creepy tall floaty guy who's just like he chilling just wants out his hat. he just yeah. wants his fucking hat you know oh <laughs> <laughs> he just wants his hat he just wants his hat yeah and uh you know 
crazy Italian ghost man just wants to fix the clock <laughs> on the right. stairs again oh, yeah, and again. It's just like I'm Mario Luigi it, over there. Yeah, he just wants to fix the clock, so man. Long. He's just like, oh, I like this. I'm just going to fix this clock for forever. But uh, I think in, it's interesting in that sense because there's a little bit of that argument in Bly Manor. And I don't want to spoil Bly Manor. We'll definitely have Tim back for that episode for sure. Exactly. But uh, Bly Manor also has that where it's sort of like the ingredients influence the whole recipe. So it's kind of the idea of the good people being a ghost do have an influence on the people that are a little bit more malicious, you know, to temper them, to calm them down, you know? Mm. So it's sort of like... Poppy's character probably wasn't that great a person when she was alive. Like they all yeah. kind of said she's this great beauty, but she would she'd be batshit cray. Mm-hmm. Like she was already pretty crazy and malicious yeah, when and, she was alive. So Lib's character is, you know, mentally unstable. unstable. Like yeah. in the same way that Poppy is, only Poppy's just like a little bit more malicious with it. And the things that Lib does are terrible but like she is just kind of doing it out of this like misguided desperation that the house is just like really taking advantage of her Mm. mental illness in the same way that it's like you know um she's being a protective mom yeah in the shining like that jack torrance was already kind of fucked up before he gets there like in in the stanley kubrick version of that movie like in the book it's more he was just like kind of a straight-laced dude uh, recovering alcoholic you know had done some bad things but was like a good guy in the house like ultimately drives him insane and corrupts him whereas in like you know the Kubrick movie it's a lot more similar to like what the house is doing to live where it's just like it's taking advantage of the insecurities and the defenselessness of this person and turning them on everyone else because that I don't think that the house itself can actually kill someone right it needs someone else something else to happen like the the house technically killed like the unborn baby of the dudleys but by stressing stressing the mom out like by having to like work these long nights and scaring the shit out of her which yeah. she was also staying there to be able to help the family well, and, baby's and everything weak, like, though too yeah yeah you know yeah. a baby versus and a kitten like the kittens right. also you know those yeah. are all weak things that the house probably can take on right but, like otherwise right. you need to find a crack to get into yeah someone, you it know? is and it I is guess, it's like torture it's like yeah. a, a small amounts of torture because it's sort of like an argument for sleep deprivation I mean, for Olivia. Like they just don't that's let why the, her rest. The young twins are the ones that are the most susceptible to seeing oh, all this shit while it's there. Yeah. Like they're yeah. the youngest. They're the yeah. the least uh, like the least like um, the most defenseless. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. In the kind mm-hmm. of the same way as the mom is with her like kind of illness and like kind of uncertainty about herself. She's always very nervous about like. Being a good parent, not letting these like, you know, visions and fireworks get in the way. Like she talks mm. about trying to have the conversation with Shirley that you have to have about death. And like she just like drops the ball and just like starts panicking and lies. And Shirley catches on to it like right away and is kind of like what leads to Shirley being like such a kind of angry person when she's older because she's just like, you know, one of my last memories of my mom is like her lying to me about this stuff. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Lying about a bug cat. Yeah. yeah. Bug cat. Cat. Fifth build in that episode. <laughs> Andy Circus. <Aww. laughs> 
I mean, we're, we're talking about the late episodes. We talked about the jump scare. Yeah. The the monologue that happens right after that is oh, insane. Yeah. I mean, yes. I, Dude, it's so I love the monologues. I don't care. They're I, so good. It's I, I don't hey, I think I talked Hey, to, I cheers to you yeah, on yeah. the other side of this Zoom. I I too love the monologues. They're pretty great. I feel like I talked to you Tim about it or maybe somebody else uh like when that whole monologue thing was first happening cuz I knew that you liked um these shows for the most part and I was just like that's called good writing. Like, yeah, how hard it is to write. And it's good acting, too. And it's like, people don't talk like this. And I'm like, motherfucker, have you ever listened to someone instead of just interrupting them? That's what monologues are. They're telling you how they feel. But, I mean, like, that's also like, a, it's, I don't know, people don't always talk like how books are read and all like the depth right. in a book. And it's just that's like, very to, true. to give... And I don't know, Kate Siegel just she just cranks that one out of the park. She's, she's so talking good. about like the she's so empty good. void inside us when we feel sad, and she's trying to communicate how dark and twisted it feels because she don't she's not only aware that it's there, like she can feel it and almost understand it. Yeah. To this yeah. point that she can't articulate because of like her gifts and stuff. So it's just like what what she's just supposed to say like. All right, give me the cliff notes on this. Like, yeah. this is like a devastating thing sad. to her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You know, I feel sad. Kind of sucks. Um, pretty sad about her sister. Also, her, her, like, her yeah. dream sequence of all of the hands reaching out mm. to grab her when she's on the bed is one of the scariest fucking ways to present that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because you've had her character child and then adult Kate Siegel version of Theo being like don't fucking touch me like Mm -hmm. the just Mm -hmm. the the obtrusiveness of someone else's thoughts emotions everything being forced on her and then her not being able to feel anything like the the total void opposite of it is so wild yeah Mm. it's pretty great alternate universe uh hill house or or um just uh Theo spinoff of on like just NBC where just every week she goes to a new town and touches somebody and solves a crime. Like, isn't, isn't that like a? Isn't that like a? Isn't that like a TV show? It's Medium. Yeah, it's oh, Medium. Yeah, that is the show yeah, Medium. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patricia Arquette's essentially like talking a ghost. Or there's though. also like that's a, a little different. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Ghost Whisperer. Yeah. Jennifer oh, yeah, Love yeah. Hewitt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where she's just all, like, I wear those, really nice shirts. Yeah, those are ghost all. Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> yeah, those are all just like they talk to ghosts. But yeah. But like her, her first, her, her episode in the first half of the show when she solves the Mr. The crime. Smiley. Yeah, Mr. Smiley. Oh, like, that is some fucked up shit. Yeah, just like Kate Siegel, man, a plus. Her acting, like her face when she like just touches the couch and starts freaking the fuck out, is so good. She's got like an extremely emotive face. Yeah, I mean that's Tim. Have you seen Hush? Yeah, yeah. Like that's like why she's perfect to play a character that can't like talk. It's just like, well, all of this needs to be communicated just through like eyes and expressions and stuff. That's why she's so perfect at that, and it's. It's really cool, like, kind of getting to see kind of in chronological order because I've been watching a lot more stuff that Flanagan's done that Kate Siegel's, like, involved in from the earlier days, like, smaller roles, bigger roles, smaller roles, bigger roles. And it's just like, man, it's pretty cool that you guys met because, like, we probably wouldn't be getting 
as much of either of you if you guys were kind of like working together on this stuff like in the awesome. ways that they are, yeah. probably are yeah it's neat power couple power couple i mean if we're shouting out faces i also i've been meaning to just bring up how great victoria Perdetti's face is oh man it's like it's so like it's beautiful but also kind of weird Cray. like her mouth is so yeah. like, she's it's like clipping it, like she's like oh my god yeah, it's the perfect oh, mouth for that no. it's, yeah. yeah perfect mouth for that <laughs> yeah no i mean she has like pretty exceptionally big teeth like mm-hmm. but to be fair i feel like it helps her channel little kid version of herself like later on when she's talking and you're realizing like she's talking about time and she's having flashbacks and like you're like oh she's doing a great job right now of emulating the younger version of herself which mm-hmm. is pretty fucking cool yeah and- i mean i love all the little similarities uh, between everybody, like I already talked about, like the Henry Thomas, uh, like uh, young dad, old dad, Timothy Hutton kind of stuff, like yeah. and just like the mannerisms on how they stand, how they kind of say certain things, move their hand when they talk, like they're doing it the same way. And like with the kids, obviously, like you change a little bit more, especially in 20 years from like when you're like five to when you're 25. Um, but there is just all that kind of like little tiny ticks that I feel like is especially apparent in Theo. In Theo's character, too, where it's like the younger version of Theo just kind of has these same kind of like, kind of like, eh, like kind of uncom- like uncomfortable. Oh, it's a little too cool. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's also acting She's like a little tube, bit cool and she actually feels, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't want to play. No. She doesn't want to have a tea party. <laughs> um, Oh, man. But I do love when like they accuse Nell of writing on the wall and then they peel oh, that yeah. peel that wallpaper back and it's like the whole the full message and you're like, what the motherfucking shit is happening? <laughs> but uh yeah, so that the concept of the red room, when they kind of get into it in the last episode and she talks about it first saying it's a heart, but then it's a stomach. And I like that analogy because it is like you know, we've, we've got the dad saying, like, that the family is like an unfinished meal to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, the Red Room kind of becomes something different for every kid to really focus on the emotions of that specific person. So, you know, because it's not just the kids, it's the mom, too. But, like, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, them being sad or stressed out or not believed or needing peace and quiet mm-hmm. or when angry. They're at their, when they're at their weakest. Yeah. So it's sort of like feeding on those emotions, not just grief, not just fear, which is more typical in horror. And, mm-hmm. But all these other emotions as well, because it's becoming like a, a sort of solace for these characters. But I love in that last two episodes when we finally see the mom in the red room and it's the first time the red room is really not masking itself as another spot. And it's just this like dank, moldy, fucking scary room. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I also love that's what it actually looks like. On my rewatch, like I love every time. Who's the actress that plays Mrs. Dudley? She's oh, great. I might have it. You mean Mystic Pizza? Yeah. I yeah. fucking love Dude, her. Like every time Anna someone's Beth Gish. Anna yeah. Beth Gish is my favorite character in Midnight Mass, and I'm so glad that she just keeps coming back for, for Flanagan. She's so good. Every time a character is just like she's just like, Oh, where'd you find this teacup? She's like, in my gaming room. And she's like, the what? And then they just keep going. And she's <laughs> yeah. always just like, the what? The wait, what now? 
those are great on a rewatch yeah yeah. because because and then the dad even gets one too where like um where uh uh, steve says like oh i was in luke's treehouse and like He's like, when okay, would I have they, time to build him a treehouse? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they they did another one where like they just he glanced over into like whatever you know. Yeah, like, he's yeah. like, all right, kids being kids, like whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. And it's the same thing with like trying to get Mister Dudley to like uh, find the key and stuff. And he's like, ah, yeah, I guess I don't have that one, man. Like, yeah. can we please just move on? It's yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, I what do you mean you too. can't get in there? Yeah. Robert Longstreet, he's great. He's Robert he's Longstreet is so good. He is like. Definitely super fucking scary in Doctor Sleep, but then so lovable and awesome in Midnight Mass and even Midnight Club. He's just like I uh he's a good he's, Yeah, he's a he's, he's a, a great character actor. Oh flan- man, I love him. A good flanny player. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, flaniverse. Keep mm-hmm. him coming. Keep him coming. Um so I love that concept of like the the Crane family slowly being digested by the house and like going into the red room finally for that last episode. Um, and, and each and every one's like dream slash nightmare. Cause they're kind of like good initially until you realize that their mm-hmm. dreams are super fucked up, you know, just like Luke dreaming that he is in a nice hotel room with that girl that he liked and that she's going to get clean, but not yet, you know, mm-hmm. and like all of those arguments, um, and Steve realizing that he's not in the future with Prego wife. He's just been in the red room the whole fucking time. You know, I, I love all of those. Yeah. Shirley's like, is kind of the weirdest, though. Yeah. The, which one? Shirley. Shirley's doesn't get seated a couple times in the earlier episodes, but not enough to make it like yeah. feel that interesting it's just kind of like okay i guess you know one, like one tree hill dude giving you the cheers with his yeah. glass mm-hmm. yeah. yeah she would see that every now and then in in her episodes but but that guy's you, not you dead so he's not yeah. like a a, a per well, se real ghost well, but he is a ghost they, of that's her that's what they're past. talking about yeah, it's yeah. Like the ghosts like that's like the kind of the big kind of like hurrah of it is just like you know well technically the wife's ghost that timothy hutton's talking to isn't a ghost she's not there it's Mm -hmm. his memory of her and and we do we do explain that because when real live ghost shows up she's like well that wasn't me that was just you talking to yourself but then it's also like in i like the i like the dream logic that the red room has like when it's like knocking all of them out Yes. To like keep them, it's like when you're like a, the like a big thing with dreams that is like pretty obvious, but like I feel like is something that's kind of mind blowing if you haven't considered it is like when you're dreaming, every single person in your dream is you. Mm-hmm. Like it's your memory of them, but you're filling in the blanks. There's no outside sources in there. Your brain is just off and it's pulling from everything. And so in that sense, the house is like using the capability of dreams and nightmares to like stall them. Sure. But it's not actually actively doing anything. That's just like their, what would make them content or what would be like horrifying to them. And there's always that turn in those dreams uh, where it's just like, you realize like, Oh, this is, Oh, you're not. Oh, hold on a second. What's going yeah. on here? And yeah. like, like I love when the wife, the pregnant wife talking to Steve is just like, just starts getting at him and just yeah. starts being super creepy. And you're like, cool yeah and you're just like oh that stomach does not look okay <laughs> and then and, and it's cool because they they realize then that they're stuck but without nell 
they might not have made able, it out. Yeah, yeah. right. You yeah. know, Nell being being there first is what allows her to go into the dreams and yeah. wake them up. She's really the linchpin because she goes into each of their dreams and it's interesting because it's almost like she dips into their dream without the other ghosts realizing they're that she's there. But then in Luke's dream, it's just straight up kid version of her being like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. No, don't stay. You know, and it's so tempting for him to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sit down at the table with my friend Abigail and mommy and, and my sister. And she's like, no, you know, and then and then you have adult version of her finally be like, no, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. And it's like they all have to be there. Like that's they the thing. Do. It's like they all have to work together. They do. Because the house was like so busy separating them when in like in the earlier chapters and stuff with it when they were kids and they were all younger and they never got to like ultimately come together and be like we need to fight back against this and but they all have to be there and we have like ocd luke being like you have to count to seven yes. mm-hmm. you all have the to do it multiple and times like and then you know seven is their family is their full family you know and uh it's very cool and i i like when they finally are all awake in the red room and realize what the fuck is happening and they see Nell and then at first it kind of just looks like she's kind of incoherently mumbling to herself but when they can finally hear her and you're confused by what she says but you realize like she's kind of on a loop she's saying the same thing but it started like mid you know train of thought like she's saying little bits of whatever and then they talk to her and later on in the conversation, it goes back to what they first heard her say. And mm-hmm. so it kind of is really cool way to deal with that idea of death and time and yeah. just like it not being linear and you kind of dip it in and being like, oh, she's trying to explain to you and give you all these examples. And there's a there's a really good deep dive on Tumblr for uh, Flanagan where he talks about the, the rest is confetti line. And he mm-hmm. was saying like, that he was really trying to think of how kid version of Nell would try and describe time. And so he starts out with like rain and snow and other stuff like that. But he's like, those are more like adult ideas that are easy to grab onto. And so he was really trying to think of like how the the younger actress would try and describe what time is like in that scenario and be able to link between her and the adult version played by Victoria Pedretti. So it's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. And he was sort of like, it might be too over the top. They might not like it. But then when they finally had her do it and say it, they were like, no, we got to keep it. It's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. I mean, Mike Flanagan, a good writer. Good, good writers. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, And, and Nell is really like the linchpin because she's the one that allows them to be forgiven because they are all kind of like you killed yourself, but she didn't kill herself. But you know what I mean? But like, she's sort of, mm-hmm. sort of the one that like makes the point of like, you loved me. I loved you. That's it. That's, you know, the rest mm-hmm. is confetti. So it, it's pretty awesome because that kind of allows all of them to put their bullshit aside and then move forward. Finally, <laughs> you know, it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's it, you know she very explicitly gets to give them all closure in their yeah. own, you know, um, which is nice and and not everybody gets that and uh, no, you know it's cool. It's it's a cool. It's a really cool scene and and it does allow them to finally like leave the leave the room. Yeah, and I remember watching it for the first time and not 
quite picking up on the like they're trying to get Luke out of the house and carry him out and then not being sure but thinking that Steve looks at something and then mm-hmm. later on realizing like oh Dado's dead yeah like like it I didn't immediately click into that the first time I watched it um but on rewatch, like you can tell, like when they're carrying Luke out, that Steve definitely like looks to something off off screen, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I kind of wonder at what point, like he's got his pills or whatever that he's got with him, if that's supposed to be like heart condition yeah, heart, heart pills, or something like that, you know. And and it's sort of like the one moment of clarity with Olivia too, where. Liv is like, leave him alone to Poppy when she kind of tries to come and fuck with Hugh. And she's like, ooh, who's this tasty man? You know, like, (laughs) and she's like, nope, nope. That's like the one time that Liv is like a little more grounded. So hopefully in theory, like to be fair, like with your question of whether the house is going to corrupt them, you kind of hope with the influence of Hugh and Nell that maybe mom will be a little more chill. Well, yes, but as you were saying that, I was, I'm thinking about like, the, know, last, yeah. the last shot you get of mom when Steve is carrying them out of the room. Steve yeah. looks back as the door is closing. Yeah. And Hugh and Nell are hugging and are close to each other. Right. And Liv is looking up over Hugh's shoulder and just like staring at Steve still. Uh, well, she wants she wants them all. She wants like, them all. Yes. yes but I think does. Pokemon, collect I think, them like, all. I'm right in between you guys. Like, I do think that it's a little bit of both that it's like she has been alone in that house for 20 years um and the house has been like digesting her soul yeah and like kind of driving her but like with uh now with Hugh and Nell there maybe some form of afterlife healing can happen there can be some peace yeah but it doesn't mean that she fully got what she wanted no yeah she wants all her children but she needs to accept the fact that that's bad for them. That yeah. they'll be fine out there. It's letting, letting go. They're never destroying the house either because he gets Steve to agree to take care of it, you mm-hmm. know? And like that that's like a whole nother can of worms. Like the and then I- you get that you get oh, that yeah. addendum of the Dudleys the bringing, Dudleys. bringing the dying Dudley into the house. I know. You know? It's pretty wackadoo with like bringing old lady Dudley in to it's die good. there. It's, it's so good. good. And stuff, then she gets man. her baby. It's not it's not the thing to do, but it is. No. But it, it, you know, yeah. it's the you know it's total wish fulfillment that. in that right. way for that family though. So right. you're like, okay, you know. But, uh, I mean, yeah, the house like tore their family apart for years. Yes. You know, the house yes. is evil. And yeah. you're feeding your wife to the house because you know that she wants to be with her baby, even if it's like yeah. in a twisted sort of way. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I think that's where I kind of fall on like, you know, the ghosts can be good and they can be bad because mm-hmm. I think just ultimately they're just ghosts and they're just kind of existing. But then you get ones that are a little bit malicious. Like, you know, ghosts are memories of the person. You know, if Poppy was a pretty nasty person, which it seemed like she had her own mental problems going on as well, yeah. the house just amplified that and just, like, corrupted it. Whereas, you know, if you just guy that wants his hat, you're just looking around for your hat, man. <laughs> like, you're just like, I want to get a hat. And then, like, if you have the idea of, like, I, I kind of like Flanagan's storytelling because 
a lot of times when you have ghost stories, it's sort of like ghosts have something unresolved. They have unfinished business. And then once they achieve that, maybe they're able to move on. You you don't quite have that with a lot of the Flanagan stories. You just have the ghosts still existing, whether they're a little bit more at peace or not. Mm-hmm. They, they're they not gone. No. Mom's still there. And I think it. the other thing, too, is that you understand. You as the audience understand them a bit more by the end. Sure. So you're as more you explore sympathetic. the world and the characters yeah. understand them a bit more and that's kind of the piece that's found. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It it's is great. pretty cool. <laughs> it's a cool show. It's my favorite. Of, of all the Flanagan stuff, it's my favorite. Oh, oh yeah. It? Nice. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad and yeah. then I'm glad we were able to get you on, on this. That's yeah. why I was begging to be on this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right on. Right yeah, on. A, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought I, uh, for some reason I thought Bly Manor was your favorite one, but Mm-mm. Bly Manor uh, just spoil like just spoiler for I, I'm glad to be on the next one. Bly mm-hmm. Manor is great. Uh, the last episode is one of the best things. Oh ever, hell but, yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah but otherwise it's devastating. Like, yeah, well, it's just they're they're just weighted differently. Hill House is very front. Yeah, front. Like I think those first six episodes of Hill House go crazy, and then they it's really still do good till the end. But Bly Manor is like very slow. But slow that build. Last episode and the is end is worth, so like, good. The whole thing. Yeah, it's um, it's like a it's a perfect example of like again if you're treating these like a trilogy. And removing, like, you know, the films and stuff that Flanagan was, like, making before and between and all that. Uh, It is kind of like, you know, Hill House is this great, like, debut album. Mm -hmm. And then the (laughs) second one is this sophomore album that's pretty much more or less like the first one. It's got a a lot of leftover tracks that maybe weren't used on the first Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And maybe can just be a little bit more mature because they got to think about it now. And then the third one is your junior album, the one that's, like... I am at the peak of my power. I can do whatever I want right now. (laughs) And it's just like rock and roll. I, the things I love about Bly Manor are the things that are very different from Hill House. So, and they might be different characters, you know, different new actors to the group that get folded in again later on in other iterations. But I do love Victoria Pedretti getting to be main character for Bly Manor. She she fucking kills it. She's yeah, great. God, I'm so excited. To She's really good. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess we'll probably do that next then. I, I feel would like say that makes sense. Probably a good call. I mean, like, I know we've been kind of skipping around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but I, I feel like maybe, especially with these like three shows right here, I, I, I feel like we should just like knock them out. Like, okay. I'm excited because, like, again, like my kind of take that I'm developing on like rewatching these is these things as a trilogy, a, an eventual, like, you know, kind of like four chapter series, like once we get uh, House of Usher. Which I can't wait for. Me too. So yeah, I feel yeah. like trying to watch them in succession might be the best way to go about it to kind of just see like at how he's progressing sure. as like a, yeah. not only like a writer but a director and just kind of showrunner and running these things. Yeah, I think it's that's a a good point too. Is like as he becomes more of a showrunner and starts to learn to delegate directing to other people, that's when it gets to be cool too because we get to see sort of the influence of him being the overarch, but not. Not being like he directed every single episode control free. And it know? gives like variety and yeah, stuff too because does. he finds people that he can trust that he can communicate with that have the same flair for him. Yeah. You know, Midnight Mass and, um, you know, even Midnight Club. Yeah, Midnight you know, Club Midnight is Midnight Club a lot had of fun. like a lot of really well directed episodes and stuff like that. And so that's the variety will be fun too because primarily now on the show, we've really only been talking, with the exception of Midnight Club, which is the first one, we've really only been talking about his. 
kind of prose and directing style. And so right. now we'll kind of like, as that develops more in Blind Manor and Midnight Mass, yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. Plus it's fun to see these actors pop up again in different versions, yeah. you know? So yeah, yeah. I, I still have a, a soft spot for story. Luke. Yeah. I, I have a soft spot for Luke. Cause I feel like that actor just plays a lot of mean, mean dudes from here mm-hmm. on out. But, mm-hmm. uh, Invisible yeah. Man, he was in as well. He's so scary. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I forget what else he was in though. Was, was there other big ones besides Bly? Invisible Man. Uh, let's see. Uh, Invisible Man was like his big one. Um, he's in a couple like Mr. Johnson goes to Tupple Town or okay. stuff like that. <laughs> Oliver um, Jackson Cohen. So, uh, what's the name of that movie he's in called Mr. Johnson Goes to Tupple Town? That's, I don't, Mr. Malcolm's List. Yeah, Mr. Malcolm's List. Okay. <laughs> Close enough, yeah. I didn't see that. I would like to see that. He's yeah. also in Emily, which is about Emily Bronte that came out this past year. I want to check he that out. He seems to be doing a lot of period pieces. He was in The Lost Daughter. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Oh, he was um, in The Lost Daughter as like a scumbum. I like that. He looks that. like Machine Gun Kelly. He's I, so fucking good. I actually good. really liked that. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. He shows up and he's just like, he's fucking just like chewing on the scenery in that one. He's great. So, he should be in Spider Man. He should, should be. be. I think that'd be great. He, he would be a great if they did a live action Peter B. Parker. That's him all the way. I feel mm. like he should wow. be in Fall of the House of Usher, but he's not. So damn. There are some actors that are in these earlier Flanagan ensembles mm. that don't come back for for House of Usher. But we also don't know. Like, don't are know. they going to maybe pop in? You know, quick little maybe. cameo, but they're not part of the main cast. Yeah. I mean, that cast was pretty big. That so cast is I guess huge. if they wanted to put yeah. it in there, they could. Yeah, we'll see. Is Usher in the House of Usher? It's his house. Right, but does he show up? You mean Usher, Usher, Yeah, Usher, Usher. Oh, uh, I don't... I mean, he should be. It is his house. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, pay the rent. (laughs) You guys guys are late on rent. I'm Usher. And then he leaves. Yeah. My house is gonna fall. My house is falling down. The house doesn't fall. <laughs> I need to pay these contractors. Um, it's raining. The roof is leaking. Yeah. And you guys heard from Oliver Jackson Cohen? I've been calling him. I've been calling him like all month. He's late on the mortgage. What the hell? Yeah. He should be here. Damn it. Yeah, he should be there. I would like to see him and Victoria Pedretti in stuff again. I feel like they have both moved on to other things, but uh, Victoria Pedretti. Played some Crazos and some other shows onward, onward and upward. You. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. Yeah. She cray and you. She's so cray. So, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Well, Timmy, thank you for joining us. Thank you this. for having me. We'll, we'll have you back. We love to have you. Um, Mikey. Yeah, thanks, I guess. <sighs> Just drinking some water. Yeah. yeah. Good audio. Good audio. I did it good. I did good. This is not the only podcast series on story screen presents you can check out all of our podcasts our articles movie reviews links to some of the videos on our youtube channel by going over to our website storyscreenbeacon.com we're going to have some fun uh, events if you're local in the area we're going to start having trivia nights again we're going to be doing some pop-up movie screenings in the spring um, we're hoping the warm weather comes soon because we want it. We want to do some fun things with you guys mm-hmm. out and about. And if you are not already on there, sign up for our newsletter. I'll be sending a new one out sh- shortly about some of the content that we have and upcoming events. And you can always hit us up in the comments if you 
are curious about certain things, you're hoping we're covering certain episodes or certain shows uh, on Flanagan specifically, hit us up. Yeah, let us know. We we read them. Yeah, we read them. We like them. And thanks again. Thanks, guys. Spook, you're, spooky you're, spookies. You're yeah. Spookies. Spooky time. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.